Mother and daughter team, Barbara Anderson and Jackie Graham's response to the pandemic, the shuttered stores, the barren windows and the deserted neighbourhoods was to create an on-street social initiative to support local artists and bring life back to the streets. They named it Art on the Avenue NYC. Starting with the Upper West Side's Columbus Avenue, they turned the empty storefronts into a gallery space and are reimagining street art and democratising art spaces and access. Their second exhibition launches in the West Village and runs from April through May. In year one, Art on the Avenue has established itself as an organisation that spotlights the work of underrepresented artists. With over 150 submissions to their latest exhibition, their curated works will be displayed along Bleecker Street, Christopher Street and Hudson Street, creating what Barbara calls the West Village Wonder. Through organisations like Art on the Avenue and collaborations with initiatives like Back the Neighbourhood, we can reimagine what a neighbourhood is and build common unity. If you want to learn more, we've added links to Art on the Avenue in the show notes. Now, on with this episode. Barbara, Jackie, welcome to Back the Neighbourhood. Thanks, thanks for having us, Mark. Thank and you very much, nice to be here. And who's the wee dog at the background I should say hello to as well? Oh, that wee dog is, his name is Polo. Polo, and welcome Polo. Yeah, very, very kind of you to make the time on this Friday afternoon, so I really appreciate it. Okay, Barbara and Jackie, both being involved in education, but clearly with a love of art. Could you give me the backstory and the genesis to the incredible social initiative that you kicked off last year that you called Art on the Avenue? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll start that. But again, it, it will end up back to Jackie. So, you know, I think we went virtual March 13th. I'm, I'm a teacher. So we, within, you know, 48 hours, we pivoted to teaching kids on Zoom. And it was great. And I, and, and I really, you know, I think as a school, personally, we, we made seriously good lemonade. Out of out of the lemons we were given, and we you know ended the year well. But you know it was the beginning of of June. The kids were getting tired of being on Zoom. They were you know missing each other and missing their friends. I was certainly missing you know the camaraderie that you have in in a school setting and seeing people every day. And like Jackie mentioned, I'm a people person, and I I was feeling very very much isolated with no prospect of seeing the kids at school but even worse no prospect of seeing my own kids I would run you know running is is a little bit of a therapy and and on the way back I would run up Columbus Avenue and every day I would see another store boarded up another store closed more paper in the windows more for rent signs and I just kept thinking to myself well what's it going to be like next fall is it going to be better no it's going to be worse people are going to start to lose their jobs more of these are going to close I said there has to be something something hopeful that you can look at that you can walk by there has to be something that I can do about this and I think the project the the idea of a project maybe was something that I was missing a little bit from not being in school and and it started to kind of take take shape I happened to go home and look down at my phone and and see Jackie's work Instagram the mm -hmm. Fernie Arts Council had just put some artwork in some small mainstream windows main street because it's a small small town and I said wow that looks so nice Jackie what is that what are you doing and she said well you know the the art stations closed we were supposed to have a gallery show so instead of doing that you know we asked the property owners if we could put the the pieces 
things in there. And you know, mom, it's really great because people walk by it and they talk about it. And actually the owners are really happy because they're getting more calls about the space. So I said, you know, that's what I need to do here. That's what we're going to do on Columbus Avenue, Jackie. What do you think? What do you think? And sweet as can be, like I said, five times she's ever argued with me. She said, sure, you know, great idea. And I think she was just kind of, you know, she knew the state of my mind at that point. And she was just playing along. Right, Jackie? For for until she realized that I was not going to let it go. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. And I figured that nothing was going to come of it, but, you know, go ahead and, and wear yourself out trying, but she got the right people in touch and, and the right people to listen to her. And that's really all we need at the end of the day is we just kind of need to get in front of people. And at that point we won't stop until in the meeting they've, they're convinced. Right. So, so that was, it was just getting your foot in the door. That was the, the really, really difficult part. And she, you know, Mark, people will listen to good ideas. I mean, you know, and it's a good idea. There's really not very much that's negative about it because it's, it's helpful to, to the community as a whole. It's helpful to the artists. We are attempting to help the property owners as well. So where is the loss? We are tr eliminating all the possible barriers or, or what they might perceive as obstacles. When I say they, I mean, you know, the property owners, because that's the biggest hurdle in, in mm -hmm. this project is to get the space. So, you know, we managed to just talk to enough people at the right time, I think the timing was very was crucial to to the success of Art on the Ave's first iteration. I think the timing. People were last summer. They were tired of bad news, and mm. this was somebody trying to do something good. And I think so, that there was a little bit more goodwill than I might have found six months prior. So, could for anyone that hasn't looked at the website or understands exactly what the specifics are can you just explain exactly what art in the avenue the idea was sure and how to the use idea, those, those stores yes exactly the idea was to use the window space not not to board anything up necessarily and and paint over that which is is fine but to keep the the space open so that potentially people might see inside and say oh that's an interesting space but to fill it with something beautiful to fill it with something hopeful and so we put out a call to art and the the call asked for something that spoke to the theme of healing and we were only looking for vacant spaces at that point and we kind of what was different i think about this idea because it's not a, a a novel concept it's been done but we really felt like the story was important i think that's that's to me storytelling is everything and to me hearing a person's voice is is very impactful and as someone who yes appreciates art but is sometimes intimidated by the idea of walking into those galleries that someone would speak to me about their piece from the sidewalk which is my place of comfort that's what was going to make the difference to me and i wanted that kind of an immersive experience. You're not just going to walk by this piece. You're going to stop for a second and see what what 
or hear what the artist has to say about it. Maybe it'll interest you, maybe it doesn't, and you walk on. But the opportunity to hear a voice that went with that piece to me was was very important. And so that's what it was. It was meant to be an immersive gallery walk that could either be enjoyed, you know, just as a one-off, or you could go and walk the entire thing. But I saw a gallery. I saw a gallery. I was quite specific about the blocks that it needed to be on because it had to feel intimate enough that you could move from one space to the other. And so that that's what the idea was. Okay. We are very interested in the concept and the experience of serendipity. Jackie, your focus on art business and your the way you expressed your interest not being about the profiteering and working at the high end, but more about representation and democratization of art. That sort of social interest in social impact through art seems to have led you to perfectly to that point with Art on the Avenue. And as your mother describes, it sounds like it's a perfect expression of democracy and art by being on the sidewalk or the pavement, as we say in the UK. Could you just talk about your perspective and where what the power the power of this as a as an initiative obviously having started on this one avenue in new york what what's the positive benefit both from your perspective as a as a person that's done your masters in art business the opportunity both for artists for the community and uh, and generally for business at large well it's like you just said mark that that art on the app has that ability to bring art to a street level and and in that way it gets it gives exposure to artists to whole new demographics of people not people that are going out of their way to look for art to purchase art but more people that are going about their daily routine and and the art ends up becoming part of the fabric of their daily routine and at, at some point it they need it they need it to be part of their routine forever, right? So that's, I think, how a lot of those sales happened was not because it was people that were art collectors that were looking for art. It was people that the art really spoke to them. And that's, I don't know that we we set out with that intention, but that's definitely become a really important thing of, an important aspect of Art on the Ave now as we look towards new exhibitions. How important is the theme? I mean, you, you mentioned, Barbara, you had the theme of, of healing. So important. It has to do with site specificity as well as the time. Mm -hmm. So the theme, the art of healing, we felt it was a time in New York that needed to see healing. It needed to see artists that had reacted to the events of the past year. And we wanted we wanted pieces that spoke to to a way forward, especially in a time when New York was so dismal and Mm -hmm. and not really seeing the light at the end of the tunnel at that point. And this next exhibition, the theme is awakening because, you know, we're going into spring. We're hopefully going into a new, more positive chapter of this, of this COVID pandemic. And we wanted to bring something to the, to the West village that was offering that idea of a rebirth or an awakening of sorts in a lot of senses and it also the theme also always has to do with I think the neighborhood that we're in or it's going it's becoming more and more important to the neighborhood that we're in and so the West Village has its roots in in Bohemia and and being an artist 
you know, hub. And it's kind of moved away from that. And so when we thought about awakening, we also thought of it in the sense of like a, a self-realization or a reflection on yourself. And we're hoping that, you know, it might inspire the, the West Village kind of a rebirth of that artistic as opposed to the, the more commercial atmosphere that it's taken on over the last few years. I think as IB educators, both, well, Jackie's been to IB schools. One of the things that, that we work on a lot is this idea of the of, of a concept rather than a theme, even something that's open, open to interpretation. And I think that that's important. Also, when you're dealing with art and artists is to provide this thing that is timeless, that is, is universal, it can suit anybody, but it's also it can be interpreted in different ways. And that's what we're, we find, we find such a range of incredible art, you know, you might think of awakening and, and you might specify, you know, something about a season and you would get very you know one dimensional ideas but i think that that the theme becomes very important also in that aspect that if you keep it wide and you keep it open you end up with different mediums and different visions of what what that actually means and and that creates broad interest because you never know you just never know what is going to catch someone's eye on the street and that's it also it also helps our artistic direction as well. Whenever we're making decisions regarding art on the app, whether it's with our curatorial team or even just things like branding and social media, it's always helpful to refer back to that essential question, that essential concept that we are basing the exhibition on. I think it, it keeps us focused. What's been the reaction of the artists themselves? Jackie, you can... No, you speak to that because you deal with them. Well, I, so Jackie does a lot of the back work with the artists and the preliminary work with the artists, which is a, a very much a, gr a nitty gritty process. Mm -hmm. And we very much have streamlined it. I think that that's what we're good at because that's our role anyway. We streamline things. And, and so the process is probably something that is not what they're used to. We don't extend deadlines. We don't mess with missed appointments. We are very strict actually with the artists, but on on the other hand, Mark, we are not asking for a fee to submit, which is normally what they face when they submit to anything. And nor we do we take a single penny of their sale. So that is unheard of, I think, in New York. And they appreciate that. And not only do we do that, but we try to involve the artist in so many different ways throughout the three month exhibition. So we invite the artists out so that if we're doing a big walk, they would be out in front of their piece and speaking to their piece. And I've enjoyed many walks when we stop and we talk to the artist and then the artist follows us as we go on the walk to the next artist. So we invite them to do webinars with that, with us. We invite them to do lessons with us. If we're doing a Zoom lesson with a group of kids, I've had the artist in there with the Zoom so it's it's not just we're taking this piece and we'll see you later. There's a real really there's a there's a bigger connection. And I can tell you that the most beautiful time for me in the entire exhibit, and it should have been the opposite, was the closing, the last day, because I never saw 
so many emotional meetings, encounters, and partings. Mm -hmm. So the owner would come and the artist would come and they would pick up the piece and they would exchange the piece. Some of them brought champagne and they toasted. They would then, I mean, it was really, it was a lovely moment. So they, I think that they are very appreciative to be mm -hmm. honest with you. And I, I think that many emails. I think they're shell shocked at the beginning because like my mom said, it is a, a streamlined, we, you, maybe we should give ourselves longer deadlines, but we haven't. And, and it very much is we are running towards installation. And when we pick the artist, they kind of have to run with us or it becomes too difficult. But I think the ones that do really embrace the nature of the project find, have found it to be super rewarding for them. So for the, the, the most recent submission for the Awakening for the West Village, how many submissions did you get? About 150. Wow. And how do you curate and decide which ones are worthy of We're still learning being the exhibited? We're still learning the curatorial process, but we've, you know, we're not curators and we, we recognize that we, we know where our strengths are and we know where, you know, we don't have the expertise. And so each exhibition we've brought on a professional curator. And this time we're working with two curators, Lynn Davis Ellie and Norma Krieger, and they, they work in partnership and, and we, we meet every week. And we met every week leading up to the final selection period. And we, they knew the theme and we went through all of the submissions and they, I came with a set of artists that I thought best represented the theme and kind of who we were hoping to give it that extra exposure to. And they came with their list. And then we just went through bit by bit and it ended up, it was a few hour conversation selection period where we really- And then I come in at the end. I come in at the end and I say, so I haven't looked and I haven't seen, but this is what I've been telling the donors. This is what I've been telling the people who are sponsoring us, mm -hmm. that we are an organization that spotlights the work of underrepresented artists. And that's what I want to see here. And so then they go through the selection and, you know, we, we make some decisions sometimes, don't we? Yeah, it's definitely, there's a balance that needs to be struck between representation as far as in the art world, but also in society in general, mm -hmm. and then quality of work. So we want, you know, we don't, we want good art because we want to honor the artists that have been selected, but, but it's very important that we, you know, we give space to those that, that need a little bit extra space. Uh, when I know a number of people in the city and with love of art, strong sense of their civic duty and social responsibility. They've done nothing. I mean, you just if you have to even look at some of the gallery owners, you could say, you know, this could have been done by anyone, but why you? Because we did it. Because we've, and through this whole process, we've met a lot of people, like you said, that love the art and feel a sense of social responsibility and... And want to help. And want to help. They want to help, but... They want to have a lot of talks on zoom about helping and we are the we do things where that's a different mark that's the difference mark i'm sorry you know i've met i'm going to be a hundred percent honest with you mm -hmm. i am shocked i am shocked i think that i think teachers work hard mm -hmm. we're used to working hard 
And then we go home and we work hard some more. And I'm pretty amazed at what can be done even after school and after hours. A lot, a lot can be done. But the more you talk about it and the more you bring in people who might be able to help and the more you talk about, you know, this person who has so much influence and this person who can do this, the less you're actually doing the work, Mark. And then it doesn't happen. Yeah. That's inter- interesting. When I first uh, spoke with Jackie, she talked about your tenacity of, to getting things done. I mean, where, where, I mean, I fine. I mean, it, I know it probably goes to a certain degree with the hard work and the with being a teacher. But there must be something inside you where it comes from, and the, that's made you just so resolute to push through yeah. these barriers. I mean, you must have faced barriers and rejection. It couldn't have just all been plain sailing from the moment you had the idea. Oh, no, there were loads of obstacles. I think let's one of the very first things I think, and it's important to talk about is the fact that I really didn't know and neither did Jackie, Jackie, probably more so than I did. But I certainly didn't know all the things that I didn't know. And so that makes it easier, doesn't it? Because you'll face that daily obstacle. But I'm used to facing daily obstacles. I have four children. I move all the time. I teach in a, in a world where kids don't want to learn. Those are things that I deal with. And so a daily obstacle to me is not an obstacle. It's just, okay, this is today. And this is what I'm going to do about it. And tomorrow is a new day. So not knowing what the road ahead actually was, was a huge bonus and a huge help to us. And now that we do know, actually, we, we, we can continue because we have some answers. So when people might question us or might say, well, you know, you know, what are you going to do about this? I know what I can do about that. So, so I think that partly it was the fact that I didn't quite know what I was getting myself into and I just plowed ahead. And I think that that's what I do a lot in life. I, I used to tell my kids, this was part of my uh, parenting philosophy that many of my friends have found interesting and my mother-in-law too my philosophy was go ahead and do it mm-hmm. and if you weren't allowed you're gonna know about it because you'll get yelled at you'll get in trouble but stop asking me if you're allowed what what was it jackie assume you're allowed until further notice mm-hmm. yeah and that's kind of my philosophy on life i'm gonna assume that it's okay because I'm not going to go out there and try to do something that's going to hurt anybody. I'm not going to go out there and try to do something that's wrong. If mm-hmm. I'm doing something, it's because I believe in it and I believe that it's right. And I believe that someone's going to benefit from it. So I'm going to assume that it's okay. And if it's not, I'll say sorry later. Mm-hmm. That's my philosophy. And it's gotten me, I don't know, maybe it'll get me in trouble at some point, but so far so good. Okay. So for people in the West Village, what, what do they look out for and where do they look out for the, the gallery space? And when? Oh, better than me, Mom, you say. Yeah, so I, I guess our focal point really and maybe the starting point if you actually wanted to do a full walk would be the Lortel Theatre, the Lucille Lortel Theatre on mm-hmm. Christopher, Christopher Street. Street. And how excited were we when we found out, when, when George actually agreed to letting us use it? I mean, I kind of pitched it and I asked and I was not sure. And they 
jumped on it and they loved it and it's part of what they do and since they can't have their own performances they absolutely wanted to engage with the artistic world in any way that they could and so that's going to be really our it's going to have four um, significant pieces behind the doors and then it's going to be our information center there's going to be a map there's going to be the story of Lucille Lortel um, across the street we were very fortunate to get a beautiful space 120 Christopher we've got one two three four different gallery stops on Hudson we have one on Perry and then we go to Bleecker where we have we have one two three four stops on Bleecker and then we head down towards West Forth where we have again two wonderful spaces so it's a meander you know whereas Columbus Avenue was really a gallery straight walk up mm -hmm. and down this is more of a West Village wander oh, that's like wonderful that wander. yeah that's brilliant and then what what about if people want to buy the art what's the what's the deal there we we got QR codes that go with each piece of art and they're they're really important because any passerby that sees a piece of art that they like can scan the QR code and they have an opportunity there to listen to the artist's statement but then there are like two customizable buttons and one of them will go directly to the artist's page on our website where they'll be able to contact the artist directly and start conversations about a potential sale that way as well, you can always just go to our website now and we have all of the artists on there already with all of their information to reach out to them. And what about scaling this? I mean, obviously you've, you're moving this beyond Amsterdam Avenue to the West Village or Columbus Avenue. I mean, do you see this as being scalable across the city or to other cities? Um, yeah. I think I think we had, a, we had a lot of interest. We had a lot of different business improvement districts that, that asked to have meetings or, you know, and so we, we have engaged in talks with the downtown Alliance. We're, we are talking also to Midtown East. So yeah, I think that it's something that's interesting to different, different communities and different neighborhoods. And I think it is, I think the issue of vacant storefronts is not going to be going away for a little while. And I think that the fact that we're not just kind of going in there for a week or an event, but we're actually staying for a while. And that part of our mission is to try to also engage the neighboring businesses and having them participate, bringing out, you know, groups of people. I think that is of interest to people. So I, I think that that it will appear in different places. You know what's really interesting, Mark? One group of people who actually live in a co-op here on the Upper West Side reached out to us and they said, we'd like to do art on the Ave, you know, in our building because we have this big retail space. And we met with them and we had wonderful talk with a group of them. And we said, you know, it's not necessarily an art on the Ave that you need because it seems like you have a community of artists already. And so, you know, we are more about a broader, we want to put out a call to different artists, but if you already have artists in the building, then we, you know, we talked through some of the things that we, challenges that we had. So, and you know what? I'm so excited to see that they've done it. They are going ahead and they're putting it on. Mm -hmm. So, 
you know, I think that it's it's an idea using these storefronts for something else, for something artistic in the interim until people get creative about what they're going to do with them. And they will get creative about what to do with them. You know, that's what people do. Why not use the space for something like this? I mean, we've all witnessed Certainly here in New York, as the stores shuttered and the uh, the protests for the look for the murder of George Floyd and the other injustice, social and racial injustices that occurred last year, led to artists and graffiti artists adorning these shuttered spaces and the plywood boarded windows with art, and then it disappeared. I think people recognise just the the power of expression and what it can do to the feeling of a community that takes away the sort of the anodyne gentrification that had happened across the city. And, and you'd, you've said, I think you say on your site, that um, you said it, Jackie, that it speaks to issues that resonate with different audiences for different reasons. The artists who deserve exposure, the businesses that need support, the residents that need to feel confident in their community in the, and, and in their city. Having a presence when it's there, it does change the the not just the fabric but the the composition of what a neighbourhood is. And if it feels to me like it's something that, as retail is going to change, I don't think retail is ever going to go back to the way it was before. And I think if people, with people when you speak to people like Emily from Far Far Place, they're reimagining what the retail experience is. I just wonder if what you're doing is starting something that might change forever the the to be this inflection point or this this Venn diagram between artists business and the community that changes it forever that takes away those uh, you know I, we're again we're all familiar with going into these pristine galleries in Chelsea but what this does is it creates a new experience for art, almost a reinvention that's never been done before, a reinterpretation of art in the city. You know, you think about what art was and the role of artists and artists and artist communities in Soho and even in the West Village in the 60s, 70s and 80s. What you're doing, I think, could, could just be the beginning of something completely radical. I was just asked a very similar question uh, a couple of days ago, and I I do I think it is the beginning of something a way that cities will be planned, maybe not planned from from their inception, but for a long for the future. Now I think that retail is not going to like you said is not going to come back. I think online shopping is forever going to change what going into a store means for people and. Those spaces aren't going to go away, so people do need to find a new way to make use of them. And I do think that the composition of the city is going to change. And I think that people are going to appreciate public art more and art's ability to, we we say it all the time, to create a sense of confidence in a neighborhood. And, you know, you don't want to stare at empty spaces, so why not Mm -hmm. fill that space with art? Mark, there were so many people who would come across the street. So when the exhibit's on, I pretty much live at the exhibit. So they would come across the street and they would tell me, you know, my daughter's favorite one is this one. Or um, I come down here all the time now. I love to be down here drinking my coffee. There were so many people who told me that they'd never bought a piece of art and they 
they came and, and they brought their friends and then they brought their parents because they had never spent that much money on a piece of art and they were so afraid of it. And, mm. and, but they loved it so much. And to me, that was uh, like, I think we mentioned it before. To me, that was such a telling outcome that was never something that I imagined to be, a, to, to be a thing. And, and it, it, to me, it was almost the most important thing. The fact that so many people I realized actually are excited about art, but are afraid of the scene that surrounds it. I found that really interesting. And you know what? And I, I feel like that's one of my big drivers now is, and it's, it's new, is that I want people walking by, you know what, we're going to dinner. And if I happen to cross a piece, oh, this is interesting. And the next day I go buy it with a cup of coffee and I look at it in the morning. Bringing that art into the neighborhood makes a connection. It bridges, you know, the world of art, the world of artists to to people who are going to an office somewhere else or people who are on a school run or, you know, it, it all kind of melds together in a way that actually isn't the way it's been up until now, where you think of art, either you're buying it in the TJ Maxx basement just because you need something on the on the wall, or it's this other thing that has to come from a major gallery or from a, an auction house, which is extremely scary. And there are all these buyers and there's all this market that is just afraid of, of the process that is just mm. afraid of, of making a mistake. And where is the mistake? Do you love it? Do you, you know, is it less worthy because it's not in a gallery with only one other piece? Yeah. It's interesting. If so, people want to follow you and find out more or even help you, where do they go? Our website, artontheavenyc.com, mm -hmm. or they can follow us on Instagram at artontheavenyc. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter. And, uh, and yeah, we're always, we're always fundraising and um, looking to expand our community as well. Mm -hmm. And hopefully internationally. Well, I just, uh, yeah, just thank you and acknowledge you for the amazing work that you're doing and the selfless pursuit of social impact and helping neighborhoods become resurgent and resilient and the impact you're having on these artists lives and the communities that are exposed to this amazing art and the and reimagining the experience of what a neighborhood is i think it's 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 just a, an incredible example of tenacity vision and a vigorous pursuit of doing what's right and, and taking an idea from an, a thought all the way through to complete to completion. And I think it's if more people followed your path, cities would definitely be stronger and more resilient. And, and just, yeah, more power to you. So thank you very much. And thank you for this opportunity. And thanks, well, thanks for everything you're doing with Back the Neighborhood. Okay. All right, then. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.